0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it is part three of a three-part series where I talk about the best big men in college basketball, well, the best returning big men in college basketball. I know there's some freshmen that will be in the mix, but I'm talking about the guys that have college basketball experience. This is part three of a three-part series. So stay tuned to find out the next set of big men prospects that I believe can have an impact on the 2024 NBA draft. Big, big, shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And like I said in the opening, this is the third part of a three-part series because I think the big man is back. I think this is a deep crop of returning big men. I mean, there are some guys that are going to get left off the list, and I'm sure I'm going to get a message or two or three saying, how could you leave this person off? But the players that I've mentioned are guys I think could have a chance to be drafted in 2024. Again, that does not include the deep freshman class. And just for a recap, in the first episode, the first five returning bigs on my list were Donovan Klingon from UConn, Kalel Ware, the Oregon transfer that is currently playing in Indiana. Then I had Kyle Filipowski from Duke. And then after that, I had Trevon Brazil from Arkansas and Deron Holmes from Dayton. And in the second episode, I had Oso Iguodaro, one of my favorite prospects. I think he is going to have an excellent NBA career as a playmaking big. I had Adem Bona, who unfortunately has been out this summer with a shoulder injury, put his name in the NBA draft. And I, I believe that he would have been selected in June's draft, last June's draft, if he were healthy and were able to fully go through the pre-draft process and then there's Zach Eady who reportedly went back to school for a huge huge NIL payday if Zach Eady and Ryan Kalkbrenner who was on the episode also if those two guys were born in a different time I think they would be first-round picks and then finally I had Grant Nelson from Alabama he transferred from North Dakota State was kind of like the social media darling so those are the five guys that I believe after this first group that I named those are the 10 total guys that I believe will hear their names called next June now this next group of guys I think there's a chance maybe outside chance maybe one or two of them will, will be selected but I think they can have a big impact in the 2024 NBA draft and the first name that I wanna start off with in today's episode is Harrison Ingram. Ingram was a top recruit that went to Stanford. He is a unique player because he has size at 6'8", 230 pounds, but I think his actual best position is as a playmaking big, but the problem is, is he going to be a playmaking big in the NBA? I don't even know if he's gonna be, have a role as a playmaking big at North Carolina and what separates him from Iguodaro is Iguodaro is more so of a high post passer and a guy that finds cutters well I think Ingram is actually really best with the ball in his hands so I'm really interested in seeing how he's used at North Carolina went to Stanford and Ingram is a high high academic kid went to if I'm not mistaken the best high school in Dallas and it may even be the best high school in Texas and I heard it's ranked as one of the top high schools in the country and he's a, like I said a high academic kid which is why he chose the University of Stanford and there were some people that thought he was a potential one-and-done candidate got off to a good start his freshman year and there were some struggles with the outside shooting and then as a sophomore the numbers weren't much better and then he was just in a losing situation at Stanford. I do think that it is gonna be like a unique situation for him because his game is unique. Again, 6'8", 230, he has the, the body and the, and the frame of like a old school, a bruiser, but his game is really finesse and he is best used as a as a passer. So here are my notes, my scouting notes on Harrison Ingram. He has a strong, thick frame. He has the, the frame and skills to play multiple positions. He's fluid and agile. He's a good ball handler and a good decision maker. He's patient, plays with poise. I think he has a high IQ and a good feel for the game. He's very comfortable initiating the offense. I think that's his best attribute. And he has a good, good passing instincts. I think he's okay as a low post scorer. But he has the skill set to attack closeouts off the dribble. He rebounds. He can post up smaller and weaker players. The the big question is the outside shot, but I think there's upside there. I don't think it's totally broken. And he's a guy that with his size, you can play him out of pick and roll as, as the ball handler, or maybe even as the role man. I think he's a solid rebounder. Maybe can find a role in the NBA as a connective tissue. And he does have some craft in his game as far as scoring. Now, the concerns are he is not a high-level athlete. He's a below-the-rim finisher. And he, he's fluid and coordinated, but he's not explosive at all. And you can see like the lack of athleticism, especially around the rim, because he doesn't have like that, that vertical pop to finish above the rim. The efficiency is, is somewhat of a concern. He's not the most efficient player. Now... There are some people that believe that it's because he went to Stanford and he wasn't surrounded by high level talent that he was kind of put in this position to play a role that he is not comfortable playing. He's not like your your go to score. He's more so of like your your, your big point for connective tissue. So there are some people that believe that North Carolina he may have a better opportunity to showcase what he's fully capable of because he'll be surrounded by better teammates. Another struggle for Ingram is that he struggles shooting. Like, shooting is a major struggle for him. He struggles shooting off the dribble. He also struggles finishing at the rim in traffic, which, again, I think is related to him being a below-the-rim finisher that lacks ideal vertical pop. Now, in the post, when I say he's all right as a scorer, he has the post moves, he has the fill, but, He's just not an efficient finisher around the basket. Again, the, the shooting is a concern because he's not a great foul shooter. And I think that he has a tendency to be too unselfish. And so what I would like to see out of Harrison Ingram in the 23-24 season, I wanna see if he can be that connective tissue that was so hyped coming out of, out of Dallas. He was on the Team USA team that, that deep team that had Jaden Ivey, Chet Holmgren, Johnny Davis, Kennedy Chandler, the team that won the gold medal when Kenny Lofton saved Team USA from getting uh, upset by Victor Wimbayama in France. And Ingram was on that team. Peyton Watson was another name that was on that team. He was on the team, didn't play like a significant role, but I think that he is such a he's such a versatile player with good size and ball handling and playmaking, maybe he could be like a, a Draymond Green type without the defense. But then again, if you take the defense away from Draymond, you, you may wonder, like, what role does he have in the NBA? So Harrison Ingram is a player that I'm looking forward to seeing in 23-24, but he's also someone that I think if, if everything goes well, you could hear his name called next June. All right, when we return, I want to talk about another prospect that I believe could hear his name called, and it is Naquan Tomlin from Kansas State. But before I talk about Naquan, I want to talk to you about Ibotta. Why? Because if you are picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back with Ibotta? It is officially summer, and it is hot. Like, I just saw that. It's like the hottest month in the history of the world in like the last 12,000 years, something like that. I live in Dallas. It has been like 100 degrees for, I want to say like 24 out of the last 25 days. So it is officially summer and it's hot. And I know you're probably buying things, whether it's at the grocery store or just buying summer clothes. And you can get cash back on every purchase. When you use Ibotta, watch your cash grow back with each purchase. And if you're looking to take a summer vacation the summer vacation, maybe you you live down south and you're trying to escape the heat, but you dread buying all the necessities before you leave, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. So enter Ibotta because Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. At this moment, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta, but you have to use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Once again, thank you for making the Locked on NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in the next episode, Richard Stamen will be here and we're gonna talk about, what else? The 2024 NBA Draft. Right, I wanna talk about Naquan Tomlin, from Kansas State. He is a very intriguing prospect because he's a little bit older for his class, but he's raw in the fact that he hasn't been playing basketball a lot, has less than six years of total basketball experience, didn't play high school ball, first started playing at a junior college. so his trajectory over the last five years. He has pretty much put himself in the discussion to be a NBA draft pick or NBA prospect with just five or six years of experience. What I like about Naquan is that he has the athleticism to impact games, he's athletic, he's mobile, shows some flashes of passing instincts he spreads the floor. He's from New York, so if you know anything about New Yorkers, they love to handle the ball. So for his size at 6'10", he does have some ball handling skills. He's not like your, your you know, your, your low post guy. He can serve as a vertical lob threat, but he makes some plays every now and then where, you, I mean, you see that he he's skilled and you see that. He has a lot of potential if you can just build up on his skill level that has a high upside like i said he can put the ball on the floor he can attack closeouts now some of the concerns are he's raw and he's unpolished and sometimes you see it around the rim like he and i've talked about in the last couple episodes he definitely is a guy that likes to load up and power and i think sometimes by him loading up and squatting to to finish strong around the rim that split second can be the difference between a foul or a contested shot and an open shot. But the concerns are the shooting. There are some flashes there, but the numbers are inefficient. And he's only an average finisher at the rim. I think some of that has to do with just inexperience. Some of it has to do with that he needs to get stronger and add size. And again, he's only been playing like, I think last year was like his fourth year playing. So if he puts it all together, I think that he has the tools to possibly be like a late first round pick. Best case scenario, kind of reminds me of Christian Wood, and I know that's probably a name where you're like, well, if he's Christian Wood, then, you know, depending on how you feel about Christian, that could be good or bad. Christian Wood is a very talented scorer. He's a free agent right now, hasn't been signed, and that's a a, a totally different subject. But if Maquan Tomlin can be Christian Wood, then that means he could at least be a rotation player in the NBA. So Naquan Tomlin is a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in 23, 24. The area that I'll be paying the most attention to is how well he plays without Marquise Noel. Marquise Noel is one of the best playmakers in the country last year. And Tomlin was able to benefit and get a lot of easy buckets just from the the brilliance and the, the passing of Noel. Now Noel is gone. They replace him with another small point guard. But I'm curious to see how well Tomlin plays without being spoon-fed from Noel. And then he's also playing without Keontae Johnson. So he goes from kind of coming out of nowhere to being the guy that teams are going to have highlighted on their scouting report. So that is something I'm looking forward to seeing. Now, the next player that I want to talk about is a sleeper. I don't see anyone talking about Braxton, Mia, Braxton Mia, is someone that I think can really surprise people. He has great size, that's seven one. He can run the floor. He's a vertical lob threat. I think he's got some toughness to him. He likes to dunk backwards, dunks in traffic, dunks in, in through contact. He's agile, he's coordinated. Last year he shot about seventy one percent from the floor the majority of the season, and the numbers were were great. I mean, he was in the top percentile, like the top 85 percentile on cuts to the rim, the top 80 percentile on scoring as the role man, the top 90, 90 percentile in scoring in transition. He's a good shot blocker, and he plays with effort and energy, and he transitions from defense to offense and offense to defense, so I really like him. Now, he also has a tendency to bring the ball down low. He's still raw. Showed some flashes at, at Washington last year. The year before he transferred, the year before he was at Fresno State. So he transferred from Fresno State to Washington. And at Fresno State he did not play much because he was behind Orlando Robinson. And Orlando Robinson had a great summer league and he he's proven to be at least an, an NBA player. So there was not a lot of minutes for Braxton. From what I've heard that he had a strong relationship with Quincy Pondexter, former NBA player Quincy Pondexter. who's from the same Fresno area, Pondexter's was at Washington. And, and Mia followed him to Washington. I feel like he made a name for himself last year. Now, he doesn't space the floor. He's very limited when it comes to scoring outside of offensive rebound putbacks and transition finishing and as a lob threat or a rim roller, but he is someone that I think has the tools to, to be an NBA player, maybe even like a JaVale McGee type. Now, a concern is, again, he doesn't space the floor, He's still raw can be foul prone and washington played a lot of zone defense so you really don't know how he defends in space and in man-to-man coverage which is obviously what he'll play in the nba now what i'm looking forward to seeing a 23 24 from braxton mia is i really just want to see if he can continue to develop his game and continue to make the progress that he made last year because i thought last year he at least put himself on the radar. Someone that NBA scouts and NBA teams should should um, take notes on. And what I like about him is that he was one of the top dunkers in the country. Like he ranked amongst the NBA, NCAA leaders in dunks. And I think that is probably one of the most translatable skill sets, especially with his size and his athleticism for the NBA. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's in a if he has the type of year that I think he can have. I think that he can put himself in position to also be a first round pick, but I think the, the defense is going to be the biggest concern because again, Washington plays a lot of zone defense. All right, another player that I wanna talk about is Javon Porter from Pepperdine. Now if the name rings a bell and it sounds familiar it's because he is the younger brother of the Denver, world champion Denver Nuggets. Let me make sure I got that correct. The world champion Denver Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr. All right, when we return, I'll share my thoughts on Porter. Stay tuned. Last segment, I have a few more players that I want to discuss that I think could be in the NBA draft discussion for 2024. And Javon Porter from Pepperdine is another player that I think could catch some people by surprise. He's 6'11", and he is skilled. He's agile. He's coordinated. Has some ball handling skills. I think he has upside as a floor spacer. He's a good spot-up shooter. And he's an efficient finisher around the rim, even though he is a below the rim finisher, has good touch around the basket. And I think that he has, I think he lacks feel in the post, but despite the fact that he lacks feel and his game may not be aesthetically pleasing in the post, he's an efficient low post scorer. Now my concerns are he's still a little raw and he needs to get stronger. I think he needs to become a little tougher. Lacks the, the the toughness that I really like in in bigs. He avoids physicality. He is someone that, uh, you know, like when it comes to setting a screen, doesn't set strong screens. Doesn't always go up strong around the rim. I don't know if it's because he is a below the rim finisher and because he's not the most athletic guy. Does he? has that messed with his confidence as far as like getting his shots blocked and altered um, again because he's not vertically explosive and he, i don't think he has a great motor and then he played on a, a bad pepperdine team which we saw with maxwell lewis i thought maxwell lewis was one of the best wings in his class that he fell to the second round and i believe some of it was because teams are concerned about can he play winning basketball because he played on a losing pepperdine team So what I would like to see out of Porter is, I would like to see him play a little bit tougher, um, continue to show that he can knock down open shots. And so I think with him, there may be a spot for him in the NBA because he's so skilled. And if he is a a floor spacer, then I think that he can maybe find his way on, on the NBA roster. But the athletic concerns are pretty concerning. All right. Two more guys that I want to talk about, and one is Henry Vasar from Arizona. I think he should have an expanded role. He's got good positional size. He's a seven-footer. I think that he has really good upside as a shooter. Now, he does have some toughness and athleticism. He's a solid passer. I think he can attack and make plays out of the mid-post. He is someone that I think he can put the ball on the floor and finish strong. He, he definitely showed that on the international level. Visar is an international prospect. He is from a country that is not known for producing basketball talent. He's from Estonia, a country that is not known for producing basketball talent. When you look at the numbers, he only averaged two points per game. So you're probably wondering, why am I talking about a guy that only averaged two points per game? But I think that Visar has the skills to to at least draw some attention from NBA scouts. He's a good athlete. He runs the floor, he's active, he plays hard. I think he has good footwork. I think he makes good, quick decisions in the post. And I think that he is someone that has upside as a shot blocker. Now the concerns are he really, really lacks strength. And I think that was probably the biggest issue for him was that he just was not ready for the physicality of college basketball he struggles finishing shots through contact. And even though he shows flashes as a shooter, he's not really an efficient shooter at this point. But I think he has the skill set and the tools. If not 24, I definitely think that in the 25 NBA draft, he is someone that can make a little bit of noise. And Vesar's teammate who could easily be on this list, who I think is, especially after the season that he had last year, could be someone that really makes some noise and even could be like an all-American candidate is Umar Balo. Now Balo just doesn't have the skill set to fit the modern NBA. I don't see a situation where he gets drafted, even though he is the better of the two as far as the college level, but I think Vesar has a more projectable NBA skill set with his size and his athletic tools and his potential to space the floor. All right, the last prospect that I want to talk about is it a weird situation. It is Ugana Onyenso from Kentucky. He was a four-star recruit last year, someone that was expected to have a huge role for Kentucky. Unfortunately, he injured his foot before they went to Toronto to play in the Global Jam. And then now, Kentucky just added an international big, who I think is really, really good. And that could complicate things, as they'll have three Potential first-round talents in their big man rotation. Somebody is going to have to come off the bench. Somebody's going to have to have a limited role. And I know at Kentucky you have to sacrifice. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I wonder did they bring in the the big Croatian big because there was some concerns about the injuries between Onyenso and Aaron Bradshaw, who were both out this summer with foot injuries. So we'll see what happens, but Anenso is a decent athlete. He's a vertical lob threat. He's active. He can run the floor. He has a seven foot five wingspan, and his calling card is going to be his shot blocking and his defense. Offensively, his game is not visually pleasing. I think he has a long ways to go, although he showed some glimpses of having decent touch around the rim. But I just think that on the defensive end as well, he, he'd make his impact because offensively, he's raw. A good athlete, but I don't think he's really fluid. Like He looks like he's raw and still developing and still just kind of learning his way around. I think that he is going to have to extend his shooting range and at least be able to provide something on offense. But again, he's someone that Maybe a week ago, I would have thought, well, he's probably going to start for Kentucky. I thought maybe they run a two-big lineup. But then again, they got Trey Mitchell, and he could easily be Kentucky's best big this year, or he could be their fourth big in a a four-man big rotation. So he is someone that I'm looking forward to seeing next year. And the area that I'm looking to see him make improvements on is get stronger and see if he can just add a little bit of offense to his game. Well, that wraps up this episode about the top big men in college basketball that I think could be draft picks in 2024. Stay tuned for the next episode with Richard Statement, and we'll share more thoughts on the 2024 NBA draft class. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I am.